everybody, and welcome to Gamers on the Go. Uh, today is our first episode. It is uh, Sunday, yeah, for posterity's sake, let's say it's Sunday, May 20th, 2012. Uh, I'm your host, Chase Kennecke, and uh, this show is really going to be an archive of, of older portable games, and newer portable games too, but, but, the, but the main focus is that portable word. Um, each each uh, episode, I'm going to have a guest on, and we're going to talk about one specific game at a time. Uh, today's show is going to be Super Mario Land. I thought that was a best, uh, the best place to start as any. And on today's show, we have with us... Uh, Matt Jaguar. Hey, it's Matt Jaguar. Hey. I, I thought it best to, to, for you to say your own name, because I know it's, <laughs> it's messed up by, by many people. Really? Really? I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I get that, too. Kenneke's kind of a tough one to, to say when you just see it written. Mm-hmm. Anyway... Um, so, let's, uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, we're talking about Super Mario Land, and, uh, before we start, we got an email in from a friend of the show, <laughs> even though this is our first episode, uh, friend of the show, Brian Glenn, he, uh, he wrote in, uh, greetings, gentlemen. First, congrats on getting the podcast off the ground. Hope you live long and prosper. With that said, there's probably no better choice for an inaugural episode than Super Mario Land, considering that anybody who owned a Game Boy also owned the game. And while I've always regarded it as a eh, as only an average Mario platformer, it's no six golden coins after all. It most certainly set the precedent for fantastic music and handheld gaming. In fact, I've always thought that the best 8-bit Mario music is contained within the Land series. From the universally known overworld theme to the East Asian-inspired tune of the Chai Kingdom, the music is phenomenal and easily the most memorable part of Super Mario Land for me. So, um, Matt, what do you uh, what do you think when you hear that from Brian? Uh, I, I tend to agree. I not the greatest 8-bit score, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers for Nintendo notwithstanding. Uh, but yeah, it's, those tunes are just something you could just listen to on the Game Boy and just, you know, you could just stay in the beginning of the first world and not move Mario at all and uh, just enjoy the music. Well, at least, uh, for, at least for what, four or five hundred seconds before you yeah, die? Yeah, <laughs> Uh, same with the uh, second level, uh, that water world. I'm a little behind on the names of all these uh, levels, but uh, I've got it pulled up somewhere. Let me let me see. Uh, is that the Muda Kingdom? Yeah, the second one there. So. Um, yeah. Um, what's interesting to me is that uh, Super Mario Land. It's so. I mean, it's kind of a, a symptom of the entire game that oh, while it still all sounds and looks like Mario. This game is completely done by people who are, are totally not who you'd consider with Mario. Yeah, like, and it, it kind of shows that it's also very different from a traditional Mario game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we were talking about music, so uh, the familiar tunes of Koji Kondo, who, who worked on Super Mario Brothers and, and man, most of the mainline Mario series and, and a lot of uh, main Nintendo series, especially mm-hmm. for consoles, he, uh, he had nothing to do with this. Uh, oh. This was all done by, uh, by Hirokazu uh, Tanaka. And, uh, man, I thought, I thought some of those tunes were really good. It's, it's it's just kind of a symptom of the rest of the game because Shigeru Miyamoto had nothing to do with this game either. No. In fact, it's like, 
I'm trying to remember the uh, credit sequence, but there's about, uh, what was it, a handful, maybe about a dozen people involved with the title overall? Yeah, definitely. It was made by uh, Nintendo's R&D One team uh, that was headed by uh, Gunpei Yokoi, who's also the, the creator of the Game Boy, mm-hmm. and uh, the mentor of Shigeru Miyamoto. Mm, rest in peace. Definitely, man. He was, he was a great dude. Mm. Uh, and King and Nintendo R and D one, uh, I believe they worked on. They, they're like one of Nintendo's top teams. They worked on uh, the Wario Land series, or Wario Land, Super Mario Land. Um, I believe WarioWare, and uh, they they got into a lot of that stuff. Uh, and this is pretty much the beginning of the sort of Wario series. Uh, th- yeah, Wario Wario began with uh, in the sequel Super Mario Land two as the as the boss enemy. And then uh, he ended up being popular enough that he got his own game and then became another one of uh, Nintendo's top characters. So we talked about some of the differences between Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Land, and let's, let's keep going with that. Um, you're not in the Mushroom Kingdom. You're in uh, this new, newer place called uh, Sarasa Land. Yeah. And uh, Sarasa Land's really interesting. It's got, the, it's got four main kingdoms, environment kind of things. Uh, the first one is the uh, Biribatu Kingdom, which is styled a lot like uh, ancient Egyptian culture. Uh, then there's the Muda Kingdom, which uh, which has that underwater stuff, and it it feels a lot like. Um, and what do you what do you think? How do you think it feels? Uh, I don't know. It feels like a very uh, tripped out Sergeant Pepper's. Oh, not Sergeant Pepper. Sorry, a Yellow Submarine kind yeah. of uh, world, it, mostly because there's that crazy spaceship at the beginning of the level, which I assume Mario took to get over to each stage. Yeah, that, I don't know. Yeah, none of that stuff is immediately apparent on, on what exactly the reasoning is for any of this stuff, but it, it's cool nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then we have the... Uh, ooh, pull it up there. We have the Eastern Kingdom. Yeah, um, pretty much uh, modeled after the Eastern Islands. You have the giant... Uh, the head totem stone uh, guys. I don't know exactly the technical term for them, but yeah, the, I mean the Canary Island heads. Yes. The, uh, I, some people call them OI statues, but uh, did you actually hear that they're uh, that they have those bodies underneath and they're just buried in the ground? Really? Yeah, they're excavating them now, and and they're finding that they're they're just fully fully there. But the the question is now on on whether it's just. Um, earth that is built up over time, or if they actually, if the people who made those just buried them in the ground to begin with. Damn ancient man. <laughs> Always tricking us. And then, uh, and then they end with the Chai Kingdom, which is, mm. which is definitely East Asian inspired. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Al- almost, I, I mean, I don't want to say racistly so, because it's made by people from Japan, but it's... Stereotype. It's maybe. very, it's very stereotypical. I, I... Do you feel like it's Japanese though? I feel it's more Chinese. Certainly, than... yeah, it's certainly Chinese, but but I think you can you can make some of those um, leaps. Yeah, Be, being like, so stereotypical, they leaps they like just the, uh, the Chinese uh, little enemies that you can only destroy with the super balls. <laughs> yeah, or or I think it uh, I think it takes two or three jumps to kill them too. Oh, two or three jumps? Yeah. I always just jumped on them once and just ran away. It's uh-huh. like uh uh-uh, uh, fuck yeah. this shit. <laughs> They're not quite dry bones, but they uh, but they do act quite a bit like mm. them. Um, so continuing on the differences, because we're in a new kingdom here and we're not in, in the Mushroom Kingdom anymore, we don't have Princess Peach around, uh, or Toadstool, uh, we have Daisy, who, who kinda, it's, it's weird how, uh, how Luigi kind of ends up getting Mario's sloppy seconds here, but, uh, but <laughs> Daisy, Daisy ends up being kind of the, the Luigi love interest, and, uh, but Mario actually started with her. Yeah. 
it's kind of odd. Although, uh, yeah, it's sort of like what happened to Peach and, you know, what's up with that? Of course, this is on the Game Boy and it was just something totally different, so. Certainly. It's, it's almost like just a parallel universe of Mario where yeah. everything is similar but just not quite the same. Uh, we don't have Peach. We don't have Bowser. Instead, we have uh, this boss alien character named Tatanga. Um, which which is really weird. It's actually the first Japanese Mario game not to feature Bowser as the as the enemy. Um, the U.S. got Super Mario Brothers two with Wart, um, yeah. but but that wasn't the the Super Mario Brothers two that, no, that Japan no, it was got. Doki Doki. Right. But yeah, so so we get Tatanga, who's this strange alien creature. He actually has only appeared in two games, and that's Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. Mm-hmm. And and for that one, uh, for the second one, he's not even in it that long, because Wario is really the main enemy for that. Yeah. Um, he actually also starred in a, in a one-off comic that Nintendo made that's about Super Mario Land. Uh, I guess it's so weird. Uh, I'll put up, the, put up the link in the show notes, but... Um, but this kid like works at an electronics store and he stole a Game Boy and his boss catch or didn't doesn't catch him but says to him later, like, Hey, we had a Game Boy stolen, do you know anything about it? And the kid's like, No, no, I haven't I have no idea. What are you talking about? And then he ends up saying, like, Oh, I had to deal with that crap. I'm gonna steal another Game Boy <laughs> And at that point I just don't know his his intentions anymore. But the the story kind of comes about that, that Tatanga comes through the Game Boy with a bunch of his enemies and and just, just takes over this mall. And then Mario comes out of the Game Boy and helps to save the day. <laughs> I it, assume it, this was in Nintendo Power, right? It had to, it had to be yeah. something like that. But it's it it's just seems like 80s, early 90s Nintendo. Ugh, good. It just so so campy, but so awesome. Who cares about logic or sense? <laughs> of course. Um, There's a bunch of video game characters in comic form. Yeah, definitely. That's um, what the kids want. So let's let's keep going with these differences here. Uh, at the end of at the end of these worlds, um, well, in Super Mario Brothers, when you get to the end of a world, uh, you you fight Bowser. You get to the end, you see Toad there, and he goes, "Oh, sorry, your princess is another castle," and and it's that damn bait and switch that you always hate. But uh, but they do something slightly differently in this game. Matt, you wanna you wanna expand on that? Yeah, instead of, you know, it's the same exact thing, as you said, but instead of it being Toad saying, oh, your princess is another castle, you're like, oh, there's Daisy, and then poof, nope, it's uh, one of the bad guys from the levels. Yeah, no, like, whether they're whether they're disguised or they just transform, it's just, it's just so, it's even more of a bait and switch, because you never, because you think, oh, man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm at the end right now, and you just nope. aren't. <laughs> Oh man. Um let's see. So other differences here. The we talked about music a little bit, but let's uh let's kinda go into some more sound effect stuff. The Starman theme, your invincibility theme, is is completely different. In every single Mario game, it is the exact same song. But then in this one, it's it's the kind of can can music, uh the, the correct title is Gallop Infernal. But it's just I, I don't understand why they made some of these decisions. I'm, I mean, I'm glad they did because the game's awesome. But it's just so it's so surreal. Yeah, 
Uh, Japan must have a fascination with very classical uh, pop tunes from the early 1800s. But uh, what I do like about that theme is you can know exactly when it's going to run out. Yeah. Which is a nice little thing. Because you're like, okay, it's about to, you know, my star power is about to run out because you can hear, okay, the tune's about to end. Right. So it, I, it I, has I like a... appreciate the timing on that, at least in this game. Definitely, it helps for the it helps for the pace and helps you understand, like like you said, when when you're about to come out of that, so you can somewhat prepare. Um, so so the gameplay gameplay is actually pretty different too. Like the Mario Jump is is the same. Um, Nintendo's got that patent on it, but yeah, uh, it still has that feel. Yeah, much. I mean, it, it certainly feels like a Mario game. But then you get things like your Fire Flower when you pick that up. You're not throwing fireballs. You're throwing what are called super balls. I don't. I don't see how a flower helps that. I don't see how a flower helps you throw fireballs either. But it's. <laughs> but it has the same properties of a real life super ball. It just goes all over the place, bounces off of everything. Uh, in addition, it picks up coins for you, which is a nice little touch as well. Yeah, that was a really nice touch. Yeah. That, that's something that you didn't get with except for like Link with his boomerang, and mm-hmm. it was a nice. It was a really nice touch. Yeah, although it's a little off putting because you can only use one while it's on the screen, so you have to wait for it to either, you know, disappear or go off the screen or hit an enemy. Yeah. So Do you think that's a, a technical... How you can use it, where you use it. you think that's a technical thing, or you think that's a gameplay feature that they put in? Yeah, they... It could be one of two things. I think it's a... It could be a technical thing, because if you have two of them on the screen at once, it could slow things down, mm-hmm. but in the later sub and plane missions you could fire three at once right uh i think maybe it's a bit of both it's probably something that they said oh, well technically we can only use one without really sacrificing anything bad happening in the game and just made it a feature certainly yeah and and i feel like they like, this game what it has in spades i think is level design that mm. that there are there are tons of just really well crafted little little vignette parts of levels that just are are amazing. There's actually a, a really awesome article that I read a long time ago on a on a site called antipixelanti.com. Yeah, and, and I uh, had a chance to read that too. Yeah, um I'll I'll put that link up in the show notes too, but uh it was just talking about level design and and how there's the level in in Super Mario Land, it's world 1-3, uh the the end, near near kind of the middle and when you when you die, it's actually the checkpoint. Uh, when you get to the middle of this level, there's this pyramid where you can go one of three ways. But depending on what size Mario you are, you can only go in in one or two. Um, there, there's the there's a bottom part that you can go through only if you're tiny Mario. But it has a bunch of coins and it has a, a mushroom that you get at the end. Where, where it's kind of helping you, because if you start back up at this place, you're going to kind of need that mushroom to help you get through the level. But if you're bigger Mario and you don't really need that, uh, you can keep going through this slightly easier easier portion. Um, and then there's a top part that also has an enemy, so that would be the hardest place that you can only get to by breaking bricks that you could only do as big Mario. Mm-hmm. So, Plus the falling bricks on the ceiling, too, which could easily get you since you're closer to the top. Definitely. Uh, so it's just, it's a brilliant little thing, and it's something that maybe you could run through in two or three seconds in the game and not even pay attention to, but if you're, if you're the right size Mario, and if you actually go and explore this, you can find that there are some really deep mechanics in here that help you learn the game and help you kind of go through it in the way that, with, the way that these developers were intending to, even if you aren't aware 
of their intentions. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, also that uh, since this is a Game Boy game, it doesn't have as much memory as, say, the NES had at the time until at least the Game Boy Color. Uh, I did notice when I was playing through again on this uh, revisit of it, it that a lot of the same sort of level layouts uh, are used over and over again sometimes. Right. Um, uh, not to slight against it, but it you know it kind of drew on a little bit. You know when you get through a level, and like okay, I kind of got to this same exact platform formation before. Although it does, you know, there is a lot of variety as well, though. Right. There, there's definitely a little padding in there, but because the game is so is so small memory wise, yeah. that they kind of had to had to do some things. It's a truncated Mario game. <laughs> definitely. Um, so let's see let's see what else we want to talk about. Um, it's it's actually one of the lower-rated Mario games of, of the entire franchise. But um, but do you kind of agree with that? I mean, a lot of people say that, that it's a really good game, but when you look at it, I mean, it doesn't have it doesn't have really low rankings. I think it, when I saw on Metacritic something, it had like an 8.5, which, you know, that's... Kind of low for a Mario game. Kind of low for a Mario game, but that's a really great score. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I kind of half agree with that, kind of half don't agree with that, but... Uh, to me, this game is a Mario game, and like we said, isn't a Mario game. There's just so much that makes it separates it from being an actual Mario game that it's a little off-putting, and I can see why some people wouldn't have liked it at the time. Uh, even today, some of the mechanics of it just feel a little off. I know it's like when I was playing, and I played on the emulator, so uh, it's different from the true... Uh, the pure sense of the uh, actual game. Like, sometimes when I hit power-ups or blocks, I'd be off just by a little bit. I don't know if it's like hitboxes are a little off in this game. Falling when you jump as Mario, falling as Mario, like you walk off a platform and you fall down. The consistency between those two is like how fast you fall, feel a little off. Uh, But everything else is really sound about this game. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. Um, it does have it does have some kind of issues with the with the physics. If you're if you're used to something like Super Mario Brothers, you're gonna you're gonna feel slightly differently. It's not it's not like the big a jump that you get from Sonic Two to like Sonic Four, uh, Episode One. That was just <laughs> still uh, haven't played those. Uh, I'm holding those off. I don't really want to touch <laughs> Sonic Episode Four at any time soon. You uh, you don't have to uh, Sonic Episode. <laughs> what Sonic, I heard, I don't. Yeah. Sonic Four Episode Two just came out a, a few days ago, and uh, and I thought that I was interested in it because uh, you know I, I like Tails and I really like Sonic Two and it feels like they're trying to bring a lot of those ideas into it, but. Uh, I went back and played episode one, and yeah, that's sure. Yeah, I, I know they. I know they fix some stuff, but it's no, no, just no. Anyway, let's get, let's get back to Mario here. But more to the point, um, if you remember, like uh, on the original Game Boy, the I'm trying to. It's kind of hard to explain, but that sort of blurring effect, basically with the screen. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that sort of thing, I'm sure, probably affected a lot of people's uh, opinions on how to review this game. Because when you played an original Game Boy, the screen used, uh, at least before the Game Boy Pocket and the Game Boy Color, it had this very nasty habit of having this little blurry effect on anything that moved. So viewing actions like Mario jumping and running, it could be a little disorienting, be a little off, uh, especially in a lot of later games uh, as well. So yeah. I, I, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe not. Maybe, and I and I feel like they tried to possibly compensate a little bit for that because it is 
it feels a little more like a simplified Mario game in, mm-hmm. in some senses, uh, where you're not, where there's not always something on screen that I feel like you kind of get a little bit more with, with like a Super Mario Brothers game. Um, there, there are times where you're just running for a little bit and, and it makes, it makes a little more sense when you're thinking about that kind of blur effect that you get yeah. on the, on the Game Boy. Um, I've actually never played this game on an original Game Boy. Uh, I, I've owned it for, I've owned the, uh, the Game Boy game for a while, but I, uh, always used my Game Boy Color. Um, but then I bought it again when it came up for the eShop on the 3DS. It was the, one of the launch titles for that, uh, for that service at least. And, uh, and I played through it again and having, having those save states, it's actually really nice. It it helps you, (laughs) it helps you get through the game a, a little, little faster. Um, yeah, a little faster. I'm like I've seen speed runs. Like, uh, sure, like it's like a 15 minute game, pretty much. But that was that was the nature of the time. Like this is the late 80s, early 90s, and you know, the NES, Nintendo, Mega, Sega Master System games. They were really short games, but they did try to kick your ass a whole lot. Certainly, and and it was something that you could easily replay over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, this was my. Not my first Game Boy game. I obviously had Tetris, like it was packed in. Right. Uh, but back in the day, you could go to video rental stores and rent Game Boy games. And this would be one of my staples. I'd go back, I'd rent it, and I never, ever was able to beat it in my my youth. Uh, mostly probably because I had ADD and like I'd get to uh, the Eastern Island part of the game and it just kicked my ass with those flying, those bouncing flying uh, statues. And uh, I'd run out of lines, and I'd be like, well, fuck this game, I'm done. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd play it again the next day until I had to return it. I also had friends who owned the game as well, so I'd borrow it from them. But I never actually was able to beat the game until now, mostly because of save states. You know, you can poke fun at my uh, gaming skills if you want. I, yeah. I would never do such a thing because <laughs> I, I am just as bad, if not worse. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a great game. And, and I think, uh, Super Mario Land 2 really, really eclipsed it, but, but there is a lot to Super Mario Land and, and it's just, it's one of my favorite games actually. Mm-hmm. It, it feels, because it, it is like a Mario game. You're, you're playing it and, and you feel like Mario, but it, it's also, it, it's kind of like a, a cover album almost where you're, where you're getting... Like yeah, this is really familiar, but it's done in a different way. And there's things that you can appreciate about about the differences, but then it also gives you that still that feeling of nostalgia. Even mm. though this is like yeah, that's a good analogy. Even though this is probably the third or fourth Mario game made, so it has it has its own nostalgia. But yeah. it does kind of give you that nostalgia of hey, remember three years ago when we made uh, Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um. So. Nintendo actually kind of kept this idea of of land, the word land, as as a moniker that they used for a lot of their portable games. Uh, they used it with Mario, and they ended up using it with Donkey Kong too. Um, mm-hmm. I think they probably also used it for something else, but I am missing missing Donkey Kong is. Country. Not to be confused, because there was Donkey Kong for the Game Boy. Right, certainly. But yeah, they they made a they made a Donkey Kong Land, um, and and they just kind of used that as a way of denoting portable games. And they're also still doing that now. I mean, they they just came out with uh, Super Mario Land 3D, uh, mm-hmm. to and that was the first time Land has been used for, uh, I think, in, since since like uh, Donkey Kong Land 2 or Donkey Kong Land 3, maybe. 
Now, I haven't played Super Mario Land 3D, but uh, I assume you have, right? I have. Uh, it's uh, a it's a great game, but it's it feels nothing like like a Mario Land game. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is it comparable to the Land moniker, or is it you know just something that they just wanted to just tack on just for sentimentality? I think I think a lot of it's sentimentality. Um, I would say something like New Super Mario Brothers uh, was was a much more faithful kind of transition from the land games to to the DS kind of platform uh, mm-hmm. because New Super Mario Brothers was all 2D. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land uh, 3D is not just <laughs> in the name because of the 3DS's uh, three dimensional feature. It's it's actually a poly- uh, polygonal game. Uh, more more like a, like a Super Mario Land, Super Mario sixty four or something like that. Uh, even though it's it's broken up into into those kind of smaller, more more Mario like segments where it's just kind of surreal stuff with platforms in the air and a lot of uh, a lot of like island features instead of having these giant um, land bases that you can walk around like in Super Mario sixty four. Yeah. Um. So. So where does this actually rank within within your Mario games that you that you enjoy? Mm, well, it's definitely not as good as the console Mario games for me, at least opinion wise and personally. But as far as like a portable Mario game, I kind of like it a bit more than New Super Mario Brothers on the DS, just a bit. Uh, and Mario Land Two probably is a hair better than this one, just because it's a little meatier. There's more to do. There's more to see. There's more variety. And yeah, I think it's somewhere just nicely in the middle. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Um, when it comes to Mario games, for me, I've always, uh, <laughs> as you can tell, kind of from this podcast, I've always enjoyed portable games just a little bit more than than console games. So um, they they always have a little bit more special place in my heart. Uh, I think Super Mario Land, I, I agree with you that 2 is is just a, a little bit better game in a lot of respects. Uh, they, it's a little wackier, too. Uh, yeah, a little wackier. They went a little crazier with kind of level design and and just the the whole kind of world format where you can... Uh, it's they can all, choose where to go. It's not linear as, that, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, exactly. And then introducing Wario, and I thought Wario's a great character, and Nintendo apparently did, too. Um, but I think... I, I really do like like Super Mario Land. Uh, I agree that it's better than Super Mario or the new Super Mario Brothers for the DS. Um, I, although I think that's that's a great game too. I'm actually yeah, replaying yeah, that right now. We're both not saying that's a bad game by <laughs> any stretch. It's hard to find a bad Mario game. You'd have to go to Mario's Time Machine or Mario's Missing, and those aren't really Mario games. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe maybe you could say that about Super Mario Sunshine, but I don't even think that's really a bad I, game I, either. I even have a lot of fun with Super Mario Sunshine, so. <laughs> Um, all right. I don't get all the hate for that. So what, what I find interesting is that Nintendo really wanted to package this game with the Game Boy. They they did it already with uh, with Super Mario Brothers for the NES, um, and and they just kind of you could you could understand why Nintendo was thinking like, well, yeah, Mario's our best character, so when we're coming out with the Game Boy, why wouldn't we do this? Yeah, it seems like a logical choice. But but uh, yes, this uh, this man named Hank Rogers. Uh, was talking to Nintendo of America and convinced them that that Tetris would actually be a better game to package uh, package with their Game Boy system than than uh, Super Mario Land would be. And like the the reasoning behind that was really that Hank Rogers felt like uh, like if you packaged Mar- a Mario game with with uh, the Game Boy, that you'd get young boys to buy it. 
But if you package Tetris, that that was a game that was much more mainstream and you could catch those businessmen playing it or or moms or or girls. Anybody would really could find the could find the enjoyment out of Tetris, but Mario was really more of kind of this fantasy for young boys. Yeah, and I completely agree with that because when I got my Game Boy, uh, like Christmas of '89 or something like that, and it, if Mario was packed into that, it'd be you know it'd be a great idea, it'd be a great game to showcase the Game Boy, but it wouldn't have gotten my mom to play my Game Boy because when I got my Game Boy and I put it down and left Tetris in it. She would pick it up sometimes and actually play Tetris, which <laughs> to me, uh, like uh, like five, six-year-old me, is just uh, it's uh, mind-blowing. Parents yeah. playing video games. That wasn't my dad. Yeah, definitely. Like I, Neither of my parents really played video games. Uh, I could get my dad to play the odd, odd game of uh, Mario Kart 64. And weirdly, he'd always want to be Princess Peach. I think, I think just to kind of troll me that if he, if he ever beat me, <laughs> I, just, I got beat by a girl. Uh, mom would mom wouldn't touch anything. Uh, I once tried to get her to play Mario Kart, and and she was so bad that I actually had to. I I kind of pulled a fast one of saying like, "Hey, look over there," and I switched the controller ports. And uh, and for the next race, she's just talking about how great she's doing, and and I could look at the the second player now who was who was me, and I was just like running into a wall. And like, yeah, mom, you're doing, you're doing great. And, and when quote unquote, she finally won, she got all up in my face about it and and got to the point where it was just, it was too much to bear. And I had to say, okay, okay. I, I switched the controllers. And and as soon as I said that, she just put it down and she never played another game with me again. (laughs) I also think though that, uh, they were right to put Tetris though in for the pack in game for Game Boy, because it is probably a better portable game than Mario Land. I could it's I could see that. Yeah, it's it's something you can easily pick up and play or um, play for just a few rounds and then, you know, put it down and then always revisit it. It didn't matter cuz you know, you could play until you beat one of the modes or got up to 100 lines. And uh, you know, unlike Mario where it'd be like you beat it and then that's kind of it. You can play it again and get back some of the secrets. Tetris was one where you could always play it, and there are still people playing the original Tetris to this day. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I actually think that, that Tetris for the Game Boy is still probably the best version of Tetris ever made. Probably you, the best portable game ever made, too. It'd be hard to argue with that. Yeah. Uh, Tetris will definitely get its own show at some point, um, but but yeah, playing playing Tetris on the NES or playing playing Tetris now, like on Facebook or something like that, it's just, it's not quite the same. No, without without getting the little little Russian buildings and the and the music there, and and having it on that on that system that can only display even the feel sometimes. Like looking of... back on the NES version, it's just completely two different games. Yeah, certainly. But anyway, back to Mario. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we talked about the eShop um, eShop uh, release of it a little while ago. Uh, something else that I just found found funny is that uh, the descriptions for, for this game in, in the eShop are just, are just terrible. It's like Nintendo doesn't even remember what game this is. And Not as bad as those Walmart. I've, I was actually just about to mention that. Yeah, the, the Walmart descriptions of, of games like Diablo 3 that were just, were just horrid. They're, they're a step above that. But uh, let me just read one of these for you. Uh, so here's how, here's how it begins. 
ancient ruins, giant crabs, Koopa Troopas. Koopa Troopas are actually not in the game, by the way. Those, uh, those, uh, the giant ex- crabs even in the, in the game? I remember there are those ones in the uh, second level that have the flying heads, but those are crabs. I, who knows, really? Um, so They might be getting confused with uh, Mario Brothers, that uh, two-player co-op game. Very, very could, well could be. So ancient ruins, giant crabs, Koopa Troopas, flying stone heads, and hungry sharks await you in this re-release of the eighteen uh, of the nineteen eighty nine Game Boy game. In the beautiful kingdom of Sarasa Land, a mysterious alien has appeared and hypnotized the inhabitants while kidnapping Princess Daisy for himself. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, trademarks are all over the place here. Uh, travel over land, in the air, and underwater as Mario runs, jumps, and bou- bounces his way to save Princess Daisy and restore peace. Ancient ruins, temptuous waters, and brand new challenges await. I don't, I don't know why they needed to tell me ancient ruins were in there twice. Uh, and Just so that, you know, there are ancient ruins. <laughs> and in that same grocery list format. But, uh, but thanks, Nintendo. Uh, I, I guess that that's good enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, little bumps for shops aren't really things to go off of when actually looking to play a game, but Certainly. if anyone was trying, like, who didn't know what Super Mario Land was, like, I'm sure there's a fair, fairly large audience of people who own a 3DS that have never heard of Super Mario Land that uh, I'm sure look through this in the eShop and like, what the hell is this crap? Certainly, but I, uh, but I bet a lot of them saw that and said, ooh, a Mario game I haven't played. I should get this, and I don't think anybody read that eShop description. Yeah, which I mean, which it, they could have just knew. written something like, "This is Mario's first Game Boy game," and I'm sure that would have hooked a lot of other people as well. But certainly, uh, I'm running out of things to talk about. Matt, you got anything else you want to you want to mention about this game? Well, we didn't talk about the uh, quote unquote Koopa Troopa bombs. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that because because they aren't because they aren't called Koopa Troopas uh, technically by Nintendo. Uh, they're actually called uh, Bombshell Koopas. Yes. Uh, now, what was the first time when you played this game? What did you think of would happen? Well, when of, you, of course, playing it? playing Super Mario Brothers, I thought, you know, you jump on the shell, then you get the shell to use against uh, against those Goombas, which are actually called Goombos in uh, yep. in the game. Another just another way of Nintendo's kind of saying, "Hey, yeah, this is a Mario game, but it's not quite mm-hmm. a Mario game." Not Goombas. I think uh, Piranha Plant's the only one that actually kept its official name. Everything. It did have those uh, skeleton fish uh, before yeah. Super Mario uh, World. Yeah, on what the Super the, Nintendo. What are those called? Do you do you remember what those were called? Uh, no, I do not. I've I've got like the list of names here, but just seeing the names doesn't tell me anything at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go back to the. the Turtle bombs. Uh, I remember the first time I, I jump on it, and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to kick the shell. Like, of this course. Is, this is Mario, and it's just sitting there. I'm just like, well, what's happening? Why is it flashing? And boom, it's you're dead. Because <laughs> yeah. the blaster is. So that, that was like a little odd, but of course, you know, it's sort of how you play games back in the day is very trial and error-like. And it's little things like that, I think, that you know, made it interesting and unique. Definitely. Now, I the when you actually use one of the the turtle shell bombs when you when they start to blow up, I don't think they actually affect any other enemies. Um, no, I think it's just you. I, I tried doing it with other enemies too, like experimenting, and yeah, they just nothing happens. That would have been a great great tactic to kind of help you to get through something that might have been a little difficult if you could set off one of those bombs in front of some other creatures. But but Nintendo, I'm sure it's just a technical limitation. But it's just another thing that Nintendo quite couldn't quite put in there. Yeah. 
Uh, we didn't really go over the vehicle segments at all, did we? Yeah, that that's interesting. It's the first Mario game to really feature any of these kind of vehicle segments, and I think they're pretty well done, actually. They're fun. Uh, you basically, in the end of uh, level two and level four, you have a submarine and a airship, respectively, and it's basically just like a shoot 'em up. You uh, move up, down, left, and right, and you shoot enemies as they come through the stage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's complete side-scrolling, and it's very simplified. It's not, you're not playing uh, Gradius here or something something akin to that, but it's it's fun, and, and they, yeah. they do a decent job, and it's a it, it's nice little music, and they're able to kind of understand, uh, I think they were able to do some things knowing that it was that force-scrolling uh, perspective that, that you couldn't, that they had some, some things that they were able to do with that, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those... Um, more or less platforming puzzles of can you get through this little maze before the before the screen crashes in on you? Yeah, that little trick. <laughs> because <laughs> another can you shoot the blocks before you uh, the screen catches up with you and you get squashed. Right. I, like another feature of this, it, it's similar to the original uh, Super Mario Brothers game, is that it it does have that uh, once you once you go forward, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they even have those four scrolling segments in those in those vehicle sections, but. Uh, that actually adds a adds a decent decent amount of challenge. I would say that that there's some things that once you go far far enough that you're not able to uh, not able to go back and and find some other things. Uh, when we talked about that pyramid part of that level, that's a uh, that's one of the main functions of it. Is that once you go in one of those ways, you're too far to be able to go back around and try something else. Mm-hmm. And also the. Uh shoot 'em up stages, uh, vehicle segments. The music in there uh, oddly reminds me of the basic Mario theme from Super Mario World just a little bit. I think they use some sort of just little tune in a sort of different key and different arrangement. That's what they were trying to do. Certainly, why mess with what works there? Yeah, well, it changed everything else in the Mario <laughs> Land. That's a, that's also an excellent point. Uh, one thing though about the sound effects too, uh, it, I always got to laugh when you come across either one of the uh, fly bot little characters or enemies or anything that was different from a Goomba or a Goombo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had that. What was it? It's like a like a buzzing noise or something like that. Yeah, we can we can play one here just so so people get that idea. Also, when you get to the final bosses, and if you had either the Super Ball or if you're in the vehicle segment, you're shooting them because that's the only thing you can do on several of the bosses. They had that. I guess it's like some, like a demented sheep sound or something like that. <laughs> it's things like that. It's like it's not the most pleasant sound to hear in your ears, but it's just, it's too funny. It's uh, not laughably bad. It's kind of laughably bad. I'll, I'll say that. It's, it's what makes Mario land, Mario land. It's certainly. And, and I think Mario, uh, in, in all of its, uh, series, uh, installments is, is really great at making you smile. Now, whether it's, whether it's intentional or whether it's unintentional, uh, they, the games just have that ability to, 
that give you that sense of wonder that you're playing a really cool game. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I, uh, hmm? One other thing I want to ask you, where do you think uh, this ranks as far as other uh, bigger console games, platformer games like Sonic and Donkey Kong Country, where do you think this ranks compared to those games? Mario in general or, or this game specifically? Uh, this game specifically to, say, like Sonic on the uh, Game Gear and uh, Donkey Kong Country Land. I think I think this is it's actually probably the the best transition I would say of mm. of any of those. Yeah, um, I agree. This is definitely the high watermark too. Certainly, as far as uh, until Super Mario Land two, but Donkey Kong Country Land. Well, it was all right. Again, that screen blurring thing was just atrocious on the original Game Boy. Right. Uh, it just wasn't didn't have the same. And Donkey Kong Country, to be fair, is not the greatest platformer ever, but it's still one of my favorites. It's just, on the Game Boy, it just didn't transition well. There wasn't, like, the shading was just too dark in a lot of places. It was hard to make out anything happening on the screen. Sonic on the Game Gear was just, man, it's hard to describe Sonic on the Game Gear. You think uh, Episode 2 or Sonic (laughs) 4, Episode 1's bad, I guess? Uh, Sonic on the Game Gear... Yeah, that was Sonic on the Game Gear. Well, I, I definitely think that was that was more of an issue with the Game Gear and not not so much with with Sonic because Sonic had this style that that you needed those higher higher graphic capabilities to be able to make. Like he is he is a character who needs to go quickly, and and that is part of the part of the mystique of the game. So, yeah, and then, then not to say that the Game Gear couldn't handle a fast Sonic game. It could do the same thing, but, again, they had this very odd screen-blurring thing uh, for the technology they used at the time that was just really, really bad. Right. And then there were just awkward boss fights. I'm thinking, like, the Ant Lion in one of the games where, I think it was two, where you basically just had to wait around the screen and then wait for these balls, to, to boulders or something, to fly from the left-hand side of the screen to the right and on top of the end line, that's how you beat them. It's just nothing about it was like a Sonic game. While Mario Land is a little different from Mario game, it's still, at its core, very Mario-like. Definitely. You're still jumping over bosses to get to, get to it's not an axe, but whatever that button is that releases the, the bridge underneath them. Mm-hmm. And and you're still, I mean, it's, it's very much that, hey, which this is just... Which didn't release the bridge underneath them, to be fair. It just made them blow up or yeah. spontaneously combust or whatever. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting feature. <laughs> I don't know why you'd built in a self-destruct-myself button into your castles. <laughs> but, uh, hey. Video game boss logic. Sarasa Land is a, is a different place. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I think I think we've probably exhausted this. Yeah, but uh, but that was a really good talk. Yes, indeed, I enjoyed uh, revisiting this game too. Definitely. Uh, all right, so let's let's hit up some people with uh, first. Uh, let's get your plugs out of the way, Matt Jaguer, What do you got going on? Uh, you can check out my podcast, which is a music podcast on sh- uh, cerebralpop.com. It's called Shuffled. Uh, we do interviews with artists other people who like to talk about music and uh, sometimes just a random playlist of uh, music. Certainly. And actually recently you just did uh, a whole video game music uh, centric episode, right? I did. Uh, That was two episodes ago. You can check it out. Although uh, this is probably going up a little later than we record. So uh, three episodes ago, although (laughs) if you like uh, Disney music, I did a nice chat with AJ Manani of the exploding barrel podcast about, Disney music, uh, musicals uh, in Disney mu- in Disney movies, 
Uh, so if you enjoy Disney tunes, I highly recommend checking it out. Very cool. Um, and uh, do you want to throw up your Twitter, too? Sure. You can find me on Twitter. It's uh, at Jiggysan, G-I-G-G-Y-S-A-N. Very cool. Uh, I myself am on Twitter as well. I am at Chase underscore Kenneke. That's K-O-E-N-E-K-E. Um, Gamers on the Go is also um, on on Twitter at uh, G-O-T-G Podcast. Um, we also have uh, our email. Our, our Gmail here is gotgpodcast at gmail.com if you want to write in for, for any future shows. Uh, I don't exactly know what we're going to do for the second episode, uh, but I'll, I'll let you know who the guest is and what the game is, and uh, you guys can write in for that. Um, we're, uh, I'm kind of doing this podcast uh, super cheaply right now. Uh, I've spent so far $0 um, using, using some Dropbox and, uh, and Tumblr right now. The Tumblr is gamersonthego.tumblr.com uh, if you want to check out some stuff there. Uh, that's where we're gonna, that's where we're gonna try putting up the show notes and uh, and doing some things with that. Um, I can't think of much more. You should also listen to World Eight. Well, oh, oh yeah, I guess you could do that too. Uh, I also host a, another video game podcast called World Eight with a with a couple other guys uh, who go to college with me here at MU. Uh, that's in Missouri, by the way. Um, which is, which is, you know, video game mecca. We, we get all the great games here. You know, a bunch of developers are really stationed in Columbia, Missouri, so we just get all the big scoops. Uh, completely sarcastic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can listen to that. That goes up every other Sunday. And, uh, that's, that's more of a general, general podcast about gaming. Um, other than that, I think we're, I think we're good. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate having me on the inaugural episode. I'm looking forward to listening to more of them. As I said, I'm a huge portable gaming fan way back in the day, still am today. And, uh, yeah, I hope to, uh, you guys, or you keep this uh, show going for a long time. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully we can get you on again. Excellent. All right, and uh, that was the first episode of Gamers on the Go. We'll see you uh, when we make the next episode.